0: Hello friends, welcome to this tradition unlike any... (laughs) somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed.
1: What's up, everybody? We got another episode of Big Drive Energy coming to your face. I am co-host Spencer Smith, here with my brother, the short stack of pancakes, Mitchell Smith.
0: Ooh, he's already talking shit, and we haven't even started yet. I like it. Uh, so today we are going to be talking a little Jim Herman. Um, he just won this week on the PJ Tour. He's got a pretty funny backstory. Um, grinded around on the mini tours for a while and actually had a, a pretty big name that was foot in the bill for a lot of his entry fees. So we'll tell you a bit about that. And then we just had our first high school tournament today. Um, that's always a valley of fun. Yeah, that's always eventful. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about that and some of the crazy off the wall shit the kids say it's just it's amazing what comes out of their mouths
1: it's pretty much a four and a half hour comedy show
0: yeah it's and it's not even intentional it's just great uh and then we are going to do another edition of don't be that golfer
1: we got some good ones for you today so y'all gonna learn today but first of all if you're not a dnvr golf member then what the hell are you doing with your life the dnvr golf membership brings you so much you pay You get a OGO polo. You get lessons, discounted lessons from Mitchell and myself. I just gave another DNVR golf member a lesson. It was phenomenal. He changed his swing, changed his outlook on the game in 30 minutes. You also get discounts at Common Ground. You get discounts at the Valley of Fun, a.k.a. Spring Valley. You get discounts on clubs and you get a cga membership you can keep a handicap it shows you what you shot i was talking to chris hill the other day he came out and played spring valley and he shot a 64 relative to his handicap he beat his stroke he beat his record at spring valley by 11 strokes in one round after one lesson with me weird flex but i'm with it so i don't know what you guys are doing but hop in on that dnvr golf membership we got a tournament coming up that we were planning we will release the info for that soon so much stuff for you guys including the polo and really the polo in itself you don't like me you don't want a lesson from me fine but you like golf and you want a sick dnvr polo brought to you by the all the guys over there eric all the designing they do a great job i buy every shirt that they've owned before I became part of DNVR. And now that I am part of it, I still buy every shirt because they're just that badass. So hop on in there, get that DNVR golf membership pronto.
0: You're basically losing money if you play golf and aren't a DNVR golf member. I mean,
1: exactly. It's just silly.
0: just doesn't make make any sense to do it. You should
1: just upgrade that membership.
0: Absolutely. Well, I was mentioning Jim, her Jim Herman earlier, excuse me, had a couple of Trulies. Um, And this dude, it, you would not recognize him walking on the side of the street. Like, Most average-looking, I don't want to knock gingers because I like gingers, but he's pasty white, looks like he's been living in a closet for 20 years. He's a ginger. He's 42. He's a middle-aged man, and he just pocketed about a cool $1.2 million this weekend at the uh, Wyndham Championship out in North Carolina.
1: Well, isn't that the cool thing about golf in general is – Golf is kind of similar to hockey in that sense where the big names, the big players, you know their faces. They're bigger dudes. Usually you know what they look like. But most hockey players that aren't extremely famous can just walk along the streets and not be bothered. And golf is the same way. Unless you're Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, maybe Rory, guys like that. But all these dudes that are out there making hundreds of thousands of dollars on the PGA Tour can walk around, go shopping, hang out with their families, and relatively remain anonymous. Yeah, well— Kind
0: of to Spencer's comparison, last year we were at the uh, Thirsty Lion grabbing brunch and we saw Gabe Landeskog and what was the other guy's name that used to play for the Habs? Plays for the Blues now.
1: No, he played for Jamie uh, McGinn. Jamie McGinn, Yeah. yeah.
0: Gabe Landeskog and Jamie McGinn were sitting at the Thirsty Lion. We were the only ones who recognized him in the whole place. And that dude is the captain of one of the best teams in the NHL. And hardly anyone recognized him. And it's like Spencer said, you're going to recognize Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, mostly because he's a walking protein shake. Um, but there's a lot of guys out there that make a great living, and they remain unanimous, like Spencer said. So it is kind of fun. But what I was going to tell everyone, and I don't know if anyone knows this. It's kind of obscure. But uh, Jim Herman, so he went to University of Cincinnati And he batted it around on the mini tours for a while uh, in his early 20s, tried to make it work, and it it just didn't work out for him like thousands of other players, including myself. Um, So he went and got a uh, club pro job, like what we do now. (laughs) Uh, You know, selling shirts, ringing people in, uh, pretty standard day, giving a few lessons here and there. But what was different about him was he worked – at uh, one of Donald Trump's country clubs. And you like the dude or you hate the dude, he's got a shitload of money. Bottom line. I don't care. You know, it is what it is. Um,
1: money is just a fact. You can't argue
0: with yeah. money. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what Donald Trump's net worth is, but uh, he he's definitely got it. When you own that many golf courses and so on and so forth, hotels... You know he's got a little scratch in his pocket. So him and Jim Herman uh, kind of just by happenstance go and play nine holes one day. Or I'm sorry, it was probably 18 holes. I don't know what I'm talking about. And Jim Herman plays great. And Donald Trump looks at him and goes, why aren't you out playing professionally right now? And Jim's like, well, I already tried. It didn't work. And Donald Trump ended up fronting him the money for a couple years for him to get out eventually onto what is now the Corn Fairy Tour, what used to be the web.com, even when he got on it, what was it called, the uh, Nationwide Tour. So Donald Trump literally propelled this dude's career to the PGA Tour via finances, and a lot of people don't understand what kind of money that takes. Uh,
1: Before you get into this real quick, I just want to go over Jim Herman's last rounds from basically this season. So, Jim Herman, before he won at this week to propel himself into the playoffs and net himself a cool, probably over a million dollars, he started out the year at the Century Tournament of Champions. Total, one over par, made himself 71000 He missed the cut at the Sony Open. He was 13 over and missed the cut at the Farmer Insurance Open. He was even at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, made himself another cool $18,000. He was plus four at the Genesis Open. Missed the cut. No money. And this is actually something funny. I'm going to go and down another path here, real quick. Imagine if all other sports in the world were played like golf, where you don't perform and you don't get paid. Like these guys sign these insane contracts, and then guess what? They don't make. It, they they could play like shit yeah. for the next four years. You're
0: basically a used car salesman. <laughs> exactly. You, you never. You could go. You could lose money every day for a month. And then all of a sudden you could have a great day or a great weekend. You know, that's, it's, it's really golf is as incentive based as it gets. You don't perform, you don't get paid. Like
1: exactly. And like, imagine if like Jamal Murray from the other night, he scored 36, huge 10 points in overtime. Hey, you're getting an extra million dollars this week because you played so well when we won that game. Yeah, and it just, on the just, other
0: side of that, he throws up a goose egg, and they're like, "You're not getting paid tonight."
1: Yeah, exactly. Hi. I wonder how differently players would perform whether pressure gets to them or whether they are so motivated by money that they play better.
0: I bet they wouldn't be taking many nights off.
1: No, they wouldn't be. There wouldn't be a lot of let uh, rest days. What do they call it in the NBA now?
0: Load management um, load, days. Load
1: management days in the NBA. If you were getting paid per game and. Per point scored, incentivized base like the PGA Tour. Anyways, getting back to Jim Herman.
0: He basically, at the end of the day, he made, he missed, I think that was his on, fourth on, made cut of the year.
1: He missed another cut at the Honda Classic. He missed another cut at the Arnold Palmer. He missed another cut at the Charles Schwab. He was 1,200 at Heritage, tied 33, made himself about under, just under thirty six million or $36,000. <laughs> uh, he missed the cut plus six at the Workday Charity Open. He missed the cut at the Memorial he missed the cut at the P- or he barely made the cut at the PGA Championship, finished plus seven, and then he goes on to shoot twenty-one under par and win the Wyndham Championship. So
0: sixty-one, sixty-three on the weekend—that's some stones.
1: Exactly, just goes to show you how volatile golf can be, and it's not just the pros; it's all of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and and when he said, when Spencer says, "Oh, he made thirty grand this month," um, a lot of people hear that and they're like, "Fuck! If I if I could make thirty grand a month, I would take that." give it to me eight days a week, twice a day. You know what I'm saying? But on the PGA tour, that's the other thing that people don't know is they literally cover all their own expenses. They pay their trainers. They pay their swing coaches. They pay for their own hotel. Um, They pay all their travel expenses. They pay their caddy. So they pay their caddy a minimum, like a minimum fee per week. They probably pay them I would say the general area is from two to four thousand a week. I mean, those guys need to make a living, regardless if the players are are playing well enough or not. So I bet out of that thirty grand he made in that one month, he probably netted after all of his expenses between five and ten thousand dollars. I'd say that's probably a pretty good area. Um,
1: that's really good club pro money.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really that's good. Like, like high
1: end, top of the line TPC type of sawgrass head pro money.
0: Oh, yeah, and what it really comes down to is these guys have the passion for playing the game, and and that's the other benefit that they have is Jim Herman had one good week, and he has now made $1.4 million this season, and 1.2 of that came this last weekend. So getting back to uh, Donald Trump, um, Donald Trump was probably giving him about... In the range, I would say, of sixty to $80,000 a year. As a sponsor, he was wearing the Trump logo. And as a sponsor, he was paying for all of his expenses. And that is truly what it costs about per year to play on the mini tours. And that's if you make zero money, obviously. But you're paying hotels, gas, equipment, practice rounds, entry fees. Like I went through that for a couple of years, and it is... I mean, I had a couple of sponsors, not near as big as Donald Trump. I had Columbine Credit Union. Shout out to them; they were great. Um, I had Ted Stutz with GTH Excavating, and a couple other. Uh, I had One Flight International sponsor me for a few events, um, but a lot of that stuff. And then we actually out of Spring Valley, they were cool enough. When I was nineteen, and I turned pro. We had a fundraising event for me as a poker tournament, and I think we ended up raising like six or seven thousand dollars which was amazing, but if I would have played full-time, like full-out every week, that would last me like six weeks, maybe. I mean, entry fees can go anywhere from 1000 to 1200 bucks per mini-tour event. It really is nuts.
1: Well, yeah, and the cool thing about being on the PGA Tour, you still got to entry fees, pay entry fees, and like Mitchell was saying, a lot of people get these paid for, and they use their money that they win to pay for these, but... Really every week on the PGA Tour when you're making cuts, you're making a paycheck or you're trying to win a tournament, but you're also trying to buy yourself into more of those tournaments because you can't just show up with a $10,000 check and enter a PGA event. You have to have some sort of exemption, whether it's being a top X whatever player in the world or winning that tournament before, or like the Masters, you only get invited if you've won a tournament before or won the Masters before. It's this. an official
0: World Golf ranking thing, and I am going to fact check Spencer on this real quick. Actually, it only costs a hundred dollars per guy to enter a PGA Tour event. Oh well, that, <laughs> well, well,
1: shows you how much I know.
0: Yeah, it's it is kind of nuts. I mean, they are pretty lucky, and they have so many huge corporate sponsors that front all that money. It's basically a gigantic tax write-off for uh, Wyndham Resorts and Visa and uh, FedEx and just multi-billion-dollar companies that can afford to put. 10 million dollars towards a purse and things like that um but yeah the uh the whole jim herman thing is pretty wild now that he's 42 and just won for the third time on the pga tour and i actually read an article that jim herman it thinks donald trump is his uh, good luck charm because
1: he's maybe the
0: only person in
1: the world that thinks (laughs) that including his wife
0: yeah that's that's probably true um just kind of she's kind of stands there behind him like a meerkat, like as he talks and just spews idiocies. Um, Anywho. Yeah. So Jim Herman has, before he's won a PGA tour event, excuse me, every week before he's won a PGA tour event, he's played golf with Donald Trump. So he thinks that there's some, uh, I don't know, some transfer over from playing with the Don into uh, winning on the PGA tour. But I'd be like, Hey, I know you got your days off in the White House. Come let's play around before the playoffs. Cuz if you win the FedEx Cup, you're cashing in on a cool 10 milli.
1: Well, and that was the cool thing about Jim Herman winning this tournament too is he wasn't going to make it to the FedEx Cup playoffs. He
0: was 500 to 1 odds to win the tournament by the way.
1: Oh god, that's for those of you out there that are just getting into betting or haven't bet a ton of golf. You lay down a dollar, you win 500.
0: You don't lay down 10.
1: You win five grand.
0: Yeah, you got your mortgage paid for for a couple months. Yeah, nobody
1: even scrolls that far down the leader down the list when you're betting golf. It's like, ah, this guy's gonna win, this guy's gonna win and he just took over the tournament. Like you said, sixty one, sixty three on the weekend. Just incredible golf. And Siwoo Kim, who's been playing some good golf, had the lead going into Sunday and he Herman just went out and won the tournament, which is always fun to see. Instead of a guy faltering, I think Si Woo Kim still finished two under on the day or one under on Sunday, but Herman took him Dude, over and boat finished at 21. And, and my other and favorite
0: it. thing about Jim Herman is he just hits these dick high lasers, like ten feet off the ground with a driver, and his ball speed's still close to 170. But his apex on one, I think on 18, he likes to keep it low and in, in pressure spots. His apex on 18 was like 34 feet. And to give <laughs> you an idea, that that is hard. An average PGA Tour drive has probably got an, uh, an apex, basically a peak of between 100 and 150 feet. So, and that's average. Like, you see guys hit it one, some of the harder guy, harder swinging guys can get it up 160, 170, and he's hitting it 35 feet off the ground. Like, just hats off to him, just in every every man uh, winning out on the PJ Tour with a little bit of uh, Donald Trump's help. So, I thought that was kind of fun.
1: I wonder who got more money, every person in the world or Donald Trump, or every person in the world in America from Trump Bucks or Jim Herman?
0: Oh, that's you're an idiot. There's, it's every, it's there's, America.
1: I don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's not even I, close. In my mind, that worked out. And, <laughs> and now I, Jesus. I was like, oh, that is not even close.
0: Yeah, that Tito's is really creeping up on you, bud. Yeah. Um, so, Spencer is going to do a little ad read.
1: All right, guys. So, not only do you need to get the DNVR Golf membership, but by listening to this podcast, you get our special code, BDE, once again, big drive energy. So just BDE. It'll give you guys 10% off anything at the DNVRlocker.com. So anything you guys want. Did you see that
0: new Sombor Shuffle shirt?
1: Absolute fire shirts. Two of them. Turn the lights off,
0: carry me home. Yeah, they have. So
1: in case of those of you guys that don't know, a lot of you probably do because you're diehard Denver sports fans or else you wouldn't be listening to this podcast and a member of DNVR. But that Turn the Lights Off, Carry Me Home is a song, of course. And they play that at every Avs game, and so it really hits home for a lot of Avs fans. And
0: is it usually in the second intermission?
1: I think so. It's the second intermission, and and it's Eric electric. It gives me incre- goosebumps
0: every time. Did
1: an incredible job with that shirt. The Stanley Cups on the front of it. Did a great job with the lettering. And then also for those of you Nuggets fans out there, that Sambor Shuffle shirt. My God, like how does Off Eric the keep chain. doing this kind of stuff? I I don't know. Honestly, and it's just watching him and listening to him. Uh, we did our podcast with him a couple weeks ago. Hearing his mind and how he thinks about things is so incredible. I got when we played in the Big Drive live, I got to sit in the car with him for two hours and just listening to him. He's such an incredible mind, and these shirts he creates are so like I've never saw a DNVR shirt seen saw. I've never seen a DNVR shirt that I didn't like. Yeah. and that's honest truth. Like I if agree. you're a diehard Denver sports fan, there's no reason. For you to not have at least four or five DNVR shirts. And just
0: imagine the Denver golf merch we're going to make. The DNVR golf merch. We've got
1: some of that stuff in the works. And Eric's going to hook it up. We're all going to get some sick BDE shirts. But use that code, BDE. And you get $10. Dollars. $10. $10. $10.
0: Dave Chappelle voice.
1: No, it's actually
0: 10%. 10%, excuse me.
1: You get 10% off anything in at the DNVR Locker, or just dnvrlocker.com. So, that and that's including DNVR Polos, which are now out. If you don't want to get the golf membership, or you already have the golf membership. And you I want mean, to
0: why a, would you get the polo and not the membership? You want to get a polo for your family? Yeah, that's you know, true. You want to buy
1: your dad, you want to buy Pops a polo, you want to buy your brother a polo, I wouldn't buy you a fucking polo. I wouldn't buy you a polo that, either. That's a waste of money, but anyways... <sighs> You can buy polos, you can buy DNVR shirts, and you get 10% off any of that stuff using the code BDE. So go out there, use that code, save yourself some money, and get yourself some cool DNVR gear.
0: Yeah, just like, we're both, both teams are mid-playoff race. Avs are about to finish off the Coyotes here shortly. Uh, Nuggets won a real nail-biter note. Well, it was a nail-biter till overtime. then we just shit-stomped them. But, get on board. Like, and I mean, I'm sure you already are, but Get, the, get that merch, wear it at the bar, you know, represent for all the, the DNVR people out there.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's phenomenal, all the stuff they put out constantly. So with that, we are going to get into our high school golf tournament. So we always have one EHS invite. Um, for those of you that don't know or didn't hear on the pods before, so we coached the Elizabeth High School golf team. And a little background insight to the EHS golf team. Back when we were in high school, is was actually pretty good. We had a lot of kids that wanted to play golf. We had a lot of kids. It was pretty competitive. It
0: just comes in waves. There's certain groups of kids who play golf. There's certain groups who don't. And we thought originally that we didn't have a group, and it turns out we kind of do, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, well, we've kind of built this program from the ground up, honestly, like four years ago. Credit to you.
0: You started before I did.
1: I did kind of build this program from the ground up. Didn't want to give myself a pat on the back, but I'm going to do it. Four years ago, well, I just we gave had, you
0: a pat on the back, dickhead. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Four years ago, we had like two kids show up for tryouts, three or, two or three or four max. We had just a varsity team. That was it. And then the next year, we had all these freshmen come in that are now juniors and really loving the game. And we just, you know, kind of bonded with them. It didn't really. Sometimes it didn't even matter about the golf. We just had a good time with them. We showed them how golf could be fun. Showed them how golf could be cool. And now these guys are basketball's equivalent of gym rats. We got a couple kids that are out of the golf course now. They work out there too, but they're out at the golf course almost every single day practicing, working on their game, trying to get better. And Half the
0: time they get there before I do. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? You're like 16. Yeah, you're 16. I'd be sleeping and... in until – well, I'm not like a big sleep-in guy, but I wouldn't be waking up at the ass crack of dawn to go play golf. Like I practiced my ass off in high school, but it was at a, a relatively easy time. Like I'd head out there about 10 o'clock get down about four or five you know whatever these guys are getting out there like six thirty in the morning i'm like you're a fucking gym rat
1: yeah these kids are incredible and they they're learning the game they're getting better at just being able to find their way around a golf course three years ago we had to teach them how to mark their ball things like that just how to how to be golfers essentially how to go out to a high school tournament and not, not making, step in
0: lines not make an
1: ass out of yourself yeah, which pretty I much i saw him stepping in so many lines today. oh i did too it cringe- just made me cringe. cringeworthy stuff but most of them don't even notice when somebody else does it so it's like whatever and a lot whatever.
0: of them wear tennis shoes anymore so it doesn't really make a difference they're not digging their heels in some giant ass metal spikes just wrecking the green yeah
1: they're not too hyped on the on the actual golf shoes it's more of a tennis adidas vans even some
0: type of vibe so yeah we got a couple kids in some old school vans that they can play some serious golf you know don't judge a book by its cover <laughs>
1: yeah and so just to give you guys a little insight we had one kid last year in our home met, home meet shot 77 which is a pretty good score at Spring Valley, but that was a senior. He made it to state last year, which is our first state qualifier since, like, Mitchell or Adam Eveleth, I think, one of the kids that was two years younger than Mitchell. So it's been a little while since we've had a state qualifier. We finally got back to that point, and this year we're looking to get maybe a team or two or three of our kids to state. And last year uh, we had one kid shoot 102, and this year he shot an 84. We had one kid that shot 99 last year go all the way down to 81 today. Um, and shoot nine over par and both of those kids just gamed on the front nine they were only two over par uh if any of you guys saw the live video from today we were betting on high school golf it's not it's, i wouldn't
0: i wouldn't condone it. i
1: wouldn't condone it but we had a good time sometimes when you're out there watching golf tournaments it can be a little bit boring especially when you really like to play it makes it tough to go out there and watch especially people that of the aren't,
0: equivalent so, of a cuck like you're getting cucked out, sitting there in the cart watching other people play golf. And Jesus, okay.
1: <laughs> well,
0: well uh, that's really what Ryan was saying last week. Uh, moving I on mean. from
1: moving on from that, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not it, as much as it is as fun as it is to see your kids play golf. It's not near as great as going out there and playing yourself. And we had a great time today. I think Mitchell and I get frowned at by all the other older coaches, these stingy old guys because we're 25- and 26-year-old kids essentially to them. And we really like to ride in our own, like our same cart together. All these other <laughs> coaches are really strict about each coach having their own cart and getting to as many kids as they possibly can. And a cool thing about this year, I mean, nothing's cool about COVID, but the fact that we can have <laughs> golf is cool. And also we've changed it to where instead of – each kid playing with another kid from a different school, they play with all four of the varsity team from their own team, essentially. So we we got to see all the Elizabeth kids playing in one foursome together. So it's kind of cool because you can help them all out at the you same kinda time. You
0: can kind of four-caddy for them, like run around, yeah, you shoot some have, yardages, help them out. Yeah,
1: and you don't have to shuffle from group to group to group to group. And yeah, and
0: then you're not worried about giving one kid more attention than another kid. It just it kind of works itself out, but it... The, the jump these kids have made, and even Tyler last year, um, Tyler shot 89 today, and I I think he, he thought he played relatively well. He didn't play his best, but last year, I think he shot 94, and he was over the moon about it, Like, and he shaved that by five shots, and he didn't even think he did that well today, so it, it really is amazing what a year's worth of practicing, and not even a year. I mean, these kids, to be honest with you, they didn't practice at all in the winter, you know, June rolls around, they start busting out the clubs, getting the, the dust off them, and they get to practicing for a couple months. And, like, Caden cut, what would you say, 18 shots off yeah, his cut score?
1: 18 shots off, and Garrett cut 18 shots off his score as well from last
0: year. That's unreal. That's a stroke a hole. Like, that is, that is not an easy feat. So we're really proud of these kids. But uh, a couple of things specifically that come out of Caden's mouth, and just all of their mouths on any given hole – it kind of shocks you. Um, I think Spencer wrote a couple of them down over here.
1: Yeah, so Caden today, we started out the day with trying to get our JV team shirts. So this was a varsity and JV team meet. and
0: I totally forgot to give them shirts last it, practice. Mitchell, it was
1: completely Mitchell's fault. It's, fu- it's fine. <laughs> I'm not blaming anyone. Um, <laughs> but basically, they didn't get their shirts, and we had our first tournament today. So we had our JV kids show up and get their shirts before the tournament. And one of these shirts had a straight up big brown stain in the middle of it.
0: I mean, these shirts have all been in a box out in a, We have, like, a little shed that we store stuff in for the entire golf course. And I'm like, oh, God, where are those shirts? And I go out there, and luckily the box is closed, so no animals got in there or anything. But they're dusty, and one of them had this big-ass, like, almost a grease stain or something on, right on the chest.
1: And so Mitchell starts washing it, in the, and this is, like, hour and a half till tip-off, or till... <laughs> Tip, tip off. tee off, um, an hour and a half till tee off, and we a kid comes in and and Caden comes in and sees the shirt and Mitchell's like this is probably Caden's shirt from last year and he looks at Mitchell he goes does that got a little McFlurry type vibe on it <laughs> and because we always get to take the kids after tournaments to uh, we usually go to Fuzzies which is a prime spot. inappropriate we can't but- get margaritas <laughs> um, it's not like Hooters but it's basically just a taco place if you haven't been to a Fuzzies. This is a shameless plug. I'm not sponsored by Fuzzy's. I wish I was. But oh, we will take it, any, a sponsorship
0: from Fuzzy's any day of the week.
1: Any time you've been to Fuzzy's, they have the best tacos. They have great margaritas. Of course, we're not allowed to drink when we're driving four high school kids. We keep, <laughs> keep that very under wraps. We don't drink. We don't get drunk. Um, but we take them to Fuzzy's. We take them to McDonald's. And these kids, like one of our kids, Caden especially, he's like probably weighs 110 pounds soaking wet. And this kid will put back six McDoubles, like four hot and spicy. Freaking fries! Um, and they then eat like, it, like
0: horses. Like I'm bigger than all of them, and I eat the least. I'm like, what the fuck's going on?
1: And Mitchell, and then they go up. We'll be ready to leave, and then they'll go up to the counter again and get McFlurries. So they'll get
0: seconds. They'll get like some chicken nuggets and a McFlurry. I'm like, what? It, it doesn't make any sense. They mm. have a hollow leg, apparently.
1: Yeah. So there's a good chance that it was Caden's McFlurry on there. But they, these kids are just—they're actually so much fun to coach because they just. They make it, they, the stuff, like Mitchell said, the stuff they say, it was actually great on 18 today. Caden played, like we said, really good on the front nine. He shot 38. And then his wheels came off a little bit on the back nine. He shot 10 over par on the back nine, which whatever, you know, he's it's his first tournament of the year. They're still getting into the flow of golf and golf season and tournament golf. But on 18, he hit a shot from about 120 out, and we were giving him the yardage, telling him what club to hit. And he hits the shot, and it looked really good. And then it lands like 20 feet short and he just kind of looks at his bag and goes okay that sucked dick <laughs> and it's just like because oh, the toughest part about it is is that we're supposed to be coaches and ambassadors and which i'm not saying we're not i think we're great role models to be honest with you but at the same I time i don't think
0: cu- allowing cussing makes you a bad role model well,
1: that's probably true but i'm just saying a lot of
0: people, a lot of parents, parents probably I yeah I
1: wouldn't frown on that for sure
0: well like when a kid hit, hits a t-shirt and goes holy shit I'm like, hey, let's not yell that. Like, yeah. there's six parents watching.
1: The kid, yeah. The, and then, so then we had another kid today. Um, I get a call, and this is actually one of my pe- biggest pet peeves about these kids being as close as we are with them. I got probably seven, between kids and parents, I got probably seven different calls today during the round. And I could be in the best mood of all time. And when I get a call from a kid or a parent, I am, my mood immediately changes and I'm immediately angry and annoyed by it. I can't explain why. I just am and so they're calling me about a rules question calling me about this calling me about that and so i had a parent call me and go um parker lost his putter and I'm like, first i'm thinking okay how do you lose your putter and then my i literally said oh okay like what do you want me to do do you want me to magically and she's like can you, can you use one of the other kids and for those of you that play have ever played in competitive or any sort of tournament golf you're not allowed to use anyone else's clubs you have 14 in your bag that's all that you're allowed to use you can replace a club if it's damaged in the in the course of play like we talked about a couple weeks ago with bryson DeChambeau and his driver but when you lose a club like that you can't replace it and a lot of clubs pretty much every single club other than your putter if you lose it you can go to something else that gives you relatively the same feedback or pretty close to that and uh, a putter you can't and so I. Uh, I roll up to 18 after kind of forgetting about it. It was about 14 or 15, and I just see Parker putting with his wedge, and I was like oh, –
0: And it wasn't going well no, at all.
1: It, Parker was having, a, he was having a rough day towards the end of it, and then he had to putt with a wedge. And felt kind of bad for the kid, definitely. Uh, I, I did feel bad for him because he, he grinded so hard and was ready for this tournament. But some days things just don't go your way in this game, and you can't – you can control it mostly, but some days they're out of your control, and you can't do any better than you're doing. And if – One thing in golf is the harder you try in a round and the harder you focus, and focus is a different story, but the harder you try to be good and make everything perfect, the worse it goes.
0: Yeah, the more you force it, the less it comes to you. You have to let it come to you. It's kind of like a stray dog. You don't go up and grab a stray dog because it's going to bite you. You kind of have to grab a treat, call it over, you know, see, kind of feel it out a little bit. You just don't force it. Because right when you start forcing things in golf, and, I mean, we always talk about different things, how golf is so different from any sport. But in football, you can really focus in, say, your linebacker. And you can read the play, and it's a run up the middle. And you can make your way through and make that tackle. Like, But in golf, you can't physically will a shot. In most circumstances, it's you just have to let it kind of be what it is and let it come to you and that's really the the challenge of golf but that's also the fun in golf. And like I told Parker today, it's kind of an oxymoron but the more fun you have, the better you play and the better the play, the better you play, the more fun you have. It's kind of like a, a two-way thing where one kind of follows the other. So
1: Yeah, and there was just so many different things that happened today that these kids are They have a good time playing golf, and that's what I really like about coaching our high school team is, yeah, it's serious. They take it fairly serious. They try to go out there and shoot good scores, but at the same time, they're not huge golf douches and golf snobs, which is, that's, you know, we've talked about it on different pods before, but that's really one of the biggest issues in this game is everybody that plays it, everybody that doesn't play it, thinks everyone that plays it while they're playing or if they've had one bad experience is just a complete douchebag and we don't have to deal with a lot of that and if they ever get to that point I'll shut them down real quick because the only reason you should ever be even remotely to that point is if you're really good at the game and even when you're
0: really good I think some of the people I've met who are the best players I've ever seen are the most humble because they understand how hard golf is everybody gets humbled in golf no matter what And that's kind of the beauty of it is nobody's ever perfect. Everybody's had their moments. But I think the coolest part for me personally uh, coaching these kids is I I don't necessarily think any of them are going to go on to play college golf uh, or any further than high school. But the experiences we have with them are unmatched. The laughs that we share. um, And like Spencer said, we're kind of the cool coaches. You know, we I wouldn't say we allow things, but we we kind of turn our heads when we hear stuff and we, we obviously draw the line somewhere, but you know, we let them have fun we let them be themselves. And I think looking back on this, when we're done with it, we're going to look back on all the fun times we had and all the laughs we had not, Oh, I shot this that day or whatever, you know, it's, it's not even about the golf. It's about the camaraderie and the friendship that's developed. So I think that's probably my favorite part of it.
1: Yeah. And like you said, with these high school players, we're just growing the game. We're trying to grow the game in any way we can. That's why we wanted to get into DNVR golf so bad. We feel like we can grow the game, make so so many different people so much better. That's what we do with the high school golf team. That's why we teach lessons. We want to grow the game. That's truly our belief is that golf is so much more fun when all your friends do it. When you're not looking for a tee time you're having to cut people out of your group because you have too many on a Sunday morning. You know, golf is such a great, fun thing to do with your friends. Whether you're good at it or not, you can be good at it, you can be bad at it, and still have such a great time. And I know we've said that, like, every podcast, but I just wanted to ring true because I don't care if I play with somebody that shoots 110, 115, or somebody that shoots 65, I'm still having a good time out on the golf course. I judge them more game. on
0: how they act.
1: Exactly. And how they react to it and if they ruin my time by being a douchebag, which we talked about on Don't Be That Golfer last time. It's just about having a good time out there and the more you have a good time when you're a kid and, and have those fond memories of golf, the more you wanna play when you're older and, and the more you
0: pass that on. Yeah. Yeah, and then you to pass your it kids down to your and... kids
1: and their kids and, and you have people that wanna teach your kids and wanna go out and Go to practice and make your kids better. It just makes the game so much more fun, and that's why we just love coaching these kids. It's just it's a, such a good time. We yeah, it's a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah, they're annoying. Yeah, it's a time consuming, and we got a lot going on. But in reality, overall, every year when we're done with it, we're like, wow, that was so much fun. And we see the kids, and we're like, man, wow. we
0: can't wait for next year. And yeah, exactly. Th- that's really what it's all about. So it's it's a labor of love for us. I mean, we do get paid. It's not quite uh, what Valor pays their golf coaches or what Rock Canyon pays their golf coaches. Uh, But we just love love what we do. And, you know, the saying is you love what you do. You'll never work a day in your life. And that's really kind of how we feel about all these kids. So to recap, we played well. It was fun. Frustrating moments for some. That'll happen. And some other awesome moments for others. Actually, Garrett almost holed out on number six for Eagle. Uh, landed at about a foot right of the hole. It spun left and lipped out and went to, like, a foot. And that was just really fun to see the smile on his face. Like, it's corny as shit. I mean, we kind of almost sound like parents. You know, that annoying parent where they show you a picture of their, their kid doing something that you could just give a fuck about. Like, you're like, There's I don't zero, have time for you, lady. Zero
1: less fucks you can give about what you're looking at. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like show me a picture if they go missing, you know, I, that's basically how I feel about a lot of kids, Jesus. but, but a, lot, a lot, of kids don't mean as much to me as our golf kids do. And it really, it really is just a, a fun, um, enriching experience. Oh, absolutely. Big word,
1: big words. All right. So we're going to get into our segment, this podcast segment of Don't be that golfer. Um, I'm going to start us out today. I'm going to teach you guys a little golfing lesson here. This is just, I'm nicely saying this to you if you're listening out there. I'm not trying to be a dick about this because I would never say it to someone's face. But the proper terminology when you play golf is sometimes key, especially when you're talking to people that actually know golf. And it can make you sound very dumb or very silly when you say, I shot a birdie. I, and for people that are really into golf like us, we're not going to be a dick to your face, like I said, but when you say I shot a birdie, it makes my blood boil actually. And it (laughs) makes you sound like you've never shot a birdie in your entire life. It's I made a birdie or I shot a 75. That's how the terminology works. So don't go in there and say, I shot a birdie, I made a you know, I'm, what is the other term? There, people say shot, or, I, there's another, I hit. I hit
0: a you 75. Didn't, you
1: didn't hit a birdie, you didn't hit a 75, you shot a 75, and you made a birdie. That's how it goes. Hitting, I also saw hitting this. birdies is literally if you were to hit a drive and it were to Randy Johnson some bluebird flying through <laughs> the air. That's hitting a birdie. Making yeah. a birdie or
0: That's basically I made the equivalent. a birdie
1: is getting a three on a par four.
0: And another thing I actually saw on Twitter, and I don't know where you stand on this debate, but some people say, some, like, pros and some, like, golf personalities on Twitter say that you shouldn't say, "I'm." let's go play golf. They say, let's go golfing. Like, do you, I, I don't necessarily, I say, let's go play some golf. Like, I guess I use it as a noun instead of a, I, I sometimes yeah, use it both ways.
1: That doesn't bother me at all, actually.
0: Yeah, but, like, I think it was Paige Spiernik. Um, she was like, I hate when people say, let's go play golf.
1: Oh, Paige Spearneck, hers rocket. Oh, yeah. she's a, She is a she, smoke show. I would, golf,
0: her, I would go golfing with her any day. I would
1: go play golf with her any day.
0: <laughs> I would say it however I wanted and still go whoop her ass, but that's beside the point because she is quite the looker. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with either of those, but there is little idiosyncrasies that actually – I mean, if I was just getting into a game like – Hypothetically, if I were to take up tennis, and I would never because, one, I'm not built for it. There's no rectangles that play tennis. Nobody's built like a rectangle that plays tennis. And secondly, it is kind of it is fun because I used to play baseball, so you're kind of used to swinging at something like that midair, and it's fun controlling spin and everything. It just doesn't really seem like my game. I don't think my legs would look really good in tennis shorts either. That white lightning. Like, it'd be like a
1: couple of sausages trying to pop out of a casing.
0: Yeah, it's, it wouldn't be a great look for me. But, see, I, I don't know any tennis terminology. So, I, if somebody said something to me, I'd be like, what, what the fuck's that? Like, basically, my tennis knowledge is the extent of Wii Tennis. And I, I fucked heavy with that game. I think I was pretty good at it. But I don't think that's going to go very far in the world of real tennis. So... I would hate if somebody's like, "Oh my God, don't say that! You sound like the biggest idiot."
1: And that's why we're here. We're helping you guys learn. We're to save you from sounding yeah, like an idiot. Yeah, we're we're just gonna save you from sounding like you don't play golf. You can sound half even if of golf, you don't play golf. Half of golf is looking like you can play golf, or sounding like you play golf, or hitting good range balls. That's <laughs> that's intimidating. Spencer
0: that's, is the absolute king of striping it on the range. Run.
1: King, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and I'm the exact opposite. You you pull up to a tournament, and this kid, especially in high school, because Spence and I talked about this, you see these kids decked out in all their brand-new golf shoes, all the latest clubs, latest everything. They just look like they don't want to talk to anybody, which is fine, because I don't want to talk to them anyway. And then they stripe it on the range, and then I go out like and win the tournament or whatever, and I beat 10 of these kids who all look like, total stuck up assholes that would shoot 65 any day of the week. But you really got to let it translate to the course. Um, that's a story for a different day. My don't be that golfer this week is, and it kind of reminded me of this in high school. I was going to go with a different one, but I'm going to go with this one. Don't be that golfer that is counting somebody's strokes in the middle of the, the hole out loud, like yelling it like in I don't want to knock Caden, but he was doing this today. And with his own teammate, like totally fine. But it's like, bro, you got to cut that a little bit. He was like, hey, Garrett, so you had one, two over there, three in the water, four over there. And and like Parker's over here trying to putt. I'm like, Caden, can you have like a somewhat of a quiet conversation with him afterwards? You don't need to make it public knowledge. And people especially love to do that when somebody has a really shitty hole. Like, if you're making a par, it's pretty easy to count. And I guess it kind of comes hand in hand because if, if you make a four on a par four, nobody's going to be like, you had one in the fairway, you had two on the green, and you two-putted. But when somebody makes, say, a triple or a quadruple bogey on a par four, you're like, you had one in the shit, hit two out into the fairway, chunked it, topped it, hit it on the green, <laughs> hit it six feet past, missed that, and tapped in. It's like, fuck off. I know what I made. Like, I had a horrible hole. I will tell you what I had. And you don't necessarily need to count it back to me for God and everyone else to hear. You know, let's let's keep that on the down low. So don't be that golfer. You can approach somebody after the hole. And that's if you're playing competitively. Like, I personally, when you're playing in a tournament, you do want to protect the field, which basically means you don't want to let other people cheat to your knowledge. Um, some people try to do that, you know, shut that shit down. Uh, but, you know, you don't need to hound anyone about their score golf is a game of integrity like we mentioned a million times so just kind of let them do their thing and if if something shows up afterwards and you're like you did definitely did not have this on this hole then that's more the time to do and you sit down at the scores table and, and go over scores but there's really no need to yell it out for everyone to hear in uh, plain sight
1: exactly that's just obnoxious All right, before we wrap up this pod, we talked about it earlier. I told you guys you got to become DNVR golf members. Now we're going to give you another reason, as if the first 10 I gave you weren't enough. So enter our code BDE. That code not only gets you, as we talked earlier, 10% off of any merchandise at the DNVRlocker.com, but it also gets you $10 off. So once again, code BDE, $10 off upgrading your dnvr membership to a golf membership you get the polo you still get everything but if you enter code bde that'll give you ten dollars off of upgrading your membership so be become dnvr golf members join us on this awesome golf journey that we're embarking on you guys are all with us we're all part of a big community a big dnvr family and this is just the beginning and we can't wait to have so much more fun with you guys give you guys lessons make you better at golf host tournaments do different stuff like that